Heavenly Father, we come to you in this morning hour. We're thankful for your great power. We're thankful for your great purity, for the holiness that you desire, for the the great gulf. We're mindful of the great gulf between you and us. And we pray in this morning hour that you would span that gulf, that you would come, that you would send your Holy Spirit to connect our hearts to you, that you would help us to have small insight, some insight into your word, some insight into your will, your desires for our, in our hearts and in our lives, how you want to work, how you want to call us, how you want to direct us. We pray that you would come and that you would provide this in the midst of the turmoil that we experience in this world, in the midst of wars and rumors of wars, in the midst of things that we can't comprehend or understand, we pray that you would come in this day, that you would give us insight, that you would bless us through the power of your Spirit, that you would bind our hearts together and draw us near to you and to each other. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been studying the life of Abraham, and I I had this uh, grand vision of trying to uh, encapsulate uh, Abraham's life in a a uh, a single sermon, and I've come to realize that uh, my original intent was totally. Uh, <clears throat> that I'm totally unable to do that. And so today I'm going to take a very uh, narrow portion of Scripture, and I think it goes well with our our Bible class lesson. I want to read uh, in Genesis, uh, starting with chapter 11, and the 27th verse. And I'm going to read through chapter 12, Verse 9. Genesis eleven twenty seven. Now these are the generations of Terah. And Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abraham and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iskar. But Sarai Sarai was was barren, and she had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, 
his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And there they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. Chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, as the Lord hath spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sychem, unto the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanite was there in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and there buildeth he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed, going on still toward the south. So I want you to step back a minute and uh, think about the background, at least where we are in history. We know in Genesis, if we go back to the beginning, we start with, of course, the creation of the earth, the beginning, the beginning of earth, the beginning of time as we as humans know it, at least. And we read about Adam and Eve's uh, the perfect garden that God created for Adam and Eve and their sin that had them, that got them expelled from the garden and how that sin eventually through generations uh, turned into something that God could no longer stomach and he brought the flood saving only Noah, a preacher of righteousness in his family. So we are before the law, before the law was given to Moses, we are before all of the prophets that we know about in the, in the, uh, that are, have books in the Old Testament, we are before David, we are before Solomon, we are before the coming of Jesus the Messiah. So we are back at a time when people's understanding of the Lord was relatively limited. If we look at the principles that God had established, we see primarily, if we look at Adam and Eve and Noah, we see primarily that God is looking for this, for holiness, God is looking for 
uh, righteousness and God will punish those that are unrighteous. And into this time frame comes Abram. And so what Abram knew about the Lord at this point, we, we don't really know. We know that he and his family lived in Ur, Ur which was um, basically in uh, what we call Iraq today, near the Euphrates River. And they made this pilgrimage um, with part of the family to, uh, to the west and to the south and came to Haran where they stopped. And then Terah uh, passed away as we read at the end of, of chapter 11. And then we read about a, I'm going to call it a calling that Abram had from the Lord. The Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Okay. Uh, this is somewhat similar, perhaps, to what we talked about in our Bible class lesson this morning. Go, uh, except we had even less direction, perhaps, than the, than the apostles had in in Acts. The apostles perhaps had some of the same types of questions that Abraham may have had. For they came to the Lord and they said, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Lord, what's your plan? And a lot of times we as individuals, we have this same question. We want to know the Lord's plan. And Jesus' answer here is, uh, is still uh, applicable to us today, I think. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. So, similarly, it doesn't seem like Abraham had much direction here. Just as Jesus asked his disciples to trust him, to trust without knowing the times or the seasons, but to trust God, that God knew the times and the seasons, and that God controlled them, God had them in his power. Similarly, Abraham, Abram did not have much direction here. He did have a promise, however, along with this direction to leave his country and his kindred and go to a land that he would be shown, he was told that God would make him a great nation and bless him, make his name great, and make him a blessing to others, and that he would bless those that blessed him and curse those that cursed him, and that he would be a blessing to all the families of the earth.
So today, as believers, we do have, again, Jesus' direction that he gave to the original apostles here in Acts. As Brother Dan was talking about, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus said, Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So we as believers, a lot of times, maybe we're still trying to figure out in our lives, we try to figure out, well, am I supposed to be in Jerusalem? Am I supposed to be in Samaria? Or am I supposed to be in the uttermost parts of the earth? And if we sit there and we look at that question for long, we are likely to become uh, perhaps stymied or, uh, or uh, confused even. Now, if we look at Abram, when he was given his direction, what did he do? So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. So Abram was older than most of us when he received this calling from the Lord to go. Based on his lifespan, I guess you would have to say he was probably, uh, maybe we would say the equivalent to us is more uh, middle-aged. And I guess I refuse to uh, define that at this point in my life. But uh, again, somewhere in the, uh, the middle middle of his life here at 75, closer to the middle of his life than the end. And as I was thinking about this, uh, this calling that Abraham had, I was thinking about in the New Testament, I was asking myself, well, what does the New Testament tell us, tell us about a calling? What does the New Testament telling, tell us about our calling as believers or those that want to follow God today, that want to follow Jesus today. And I went to the, uh, if we look at the, the Greek, there's a word for calling and that's used in the New Testament for this, in this specific way, and it's klesis. And it indicates a calling, the origin, nature, and destiny of which are heavenly. So it stretches beyond what we can see today, and it reaches into the eternal, to to heaven. It also implies an invitation, especially God's invitation to man to accept the benefits of salvation. So the first calling that each of us has is the calling to salvation. If we look at 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, The Apostle Paul wrote, For ye see your calling, brethren, this is the calling to salvation, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Again, this called here is a derivative of the same word for for calling. Or not many are invited or appointed. And again, when we talk about Romans 8.28, again, this is the uh, same word for the called, according to his purpose in Romans 8.28. 
Verse 27 goes on to say, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. So we see this calling to salvation, and we see that while it's, uh, it's open, that perhaps there's a reluctance to accept this invitation. There's a reluctance on the part of man to accept this this uh, calling. In Romans 11.29, God says that the calling is irrevocable. He's talking about, in Romans 11, the Apostle Paul talks about how the Jews were called and because they weren't willing to come, that the Gospel was opened and presented to the Gentiles, that is to us. It says, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. The gifts of God and the calling of God are open to all. And God's got his promise out there. His calling is out there, waiting for all who are willing to come. If we go to Ephesians 1.18, we see how the calling can bring hope and power. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? So if we accept God's calling, he promises hope and his power and the riches of his glory and inheritance. Just as Abraham was promised an inheritance, that his seed would become a great nation. This is the promise of believers yet today. A great inheritance. If we go to Philippians 3.14, the Apostle Paul writes again, I press toward the mark or the goal for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. So again, pointing to a heavenly calling. Uh, the Amplified calls this the upward call, or others say a heavenward call. Again, the ultimate call is in heaven. While well, Abraham was promised here and inheritance here on this earth. He was promised the land. His, he, the, he will give, the Lord said in verse 7, unto thy seed I will give this land. The God, God promises us a heavenly calling, calling, a heavenly inheritance.
So what is the purpose of our calling? Is our calling all the same? Is it just a single calling? If we look at 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10, it says, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. So our calling is not for our purpose, but for God's purpose. And the grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So it's according to God's purpose, and he promises us grace to fulfill that purpose. He promises the grace that Jesus brought to us to fulfill that purpose. Verse 10 goes on to say, But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So again, the calling is made manifest by Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection and new life and his immortality that he now has after his resurrection in heaven to bring us light through the gospel as humans. Verse 11, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So now the Apostle Paul is changing this from the general calling that all believers have to his personal calling. He says, I'm appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. So where did the Apostle Paul get this calling? As far as a teacher of the Gentiles, if we go to Acts 9.15, the last part of it, when the Apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus and he saw Jesus in a vision, he was blinded and was called by Jesus. And he sat in the darkness of blindness for three days. And God told Ananias to go and to speak to Paul. And this is what God told Ananias. He, that is Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, where I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So here, besides the general calling that the Apostle Paul had to be a believer in Jesus, he also received this specific calling that he was going to be a chosen vessel to bring Jesus' name before the Gentiles and before kings and even before the children of Israel. 
So where does that leave us today? Do we have specific callings as individuals? If we go back to the the pilgrims or the early Puritans who came to this country to try to create this, uh, this city of light on the hill, they had some very specific thoughts about this. And one of the things that they felt as in building this new society was that the vocation of each person was a calling. They felt that every person had a specific place, that they had specific duties to fulfill to make this new country a light on the hill. And they felt that God's natural gifts that were given to people were indications of this vocation, of this calling that they had. In the New Testament, we see how the Apostle Paul also had a a vocation of tent making and how he used that to help support himself. And while we don't usually think of that as the Apostle Paul's calling, we can see how God took that vocation and used that as part of his life, as part of the overall calling that God had for the Apostle Paul. As we go through life, we may experience other callings. We have these arcs in life life that we go through. Most of us start out in some respect as a student. There's the calling to be married or not. The Apostle Paul gives us further direction on that in 1 Corinthians 7, of course. We have the calling perhaps of children or not. Once we have children, uh, this changes our, can change our whole lives. You know, my mom once said, you know, most of my early life I struggled with understanding what my calling was. But once I had my four boys, I knew what my calling was. Parenting, of course, in itself is a calling. And the Apostle Paul gives us direction with that about fathers, especially how we are to nurture our children in the Lord and admonish them. The Apostle Paul talked about a calling that we are a a difference between being slaved or free. And he talked about, again, in 1 Corinthians 7, about how we... You know, those that were slaves, that they have this calling in the Lord now, but that if they have the opportunity to earn their freedom, that they are free to take that, free to do that. And, of course, we have the calling of geography. Again, the Lord gave, when he talked to the disciples in Acts 1, 
Jerusalem, Samaria, and onto the uttermost parts of the earth, a very wide range of, of geography. But each of us are called here, for this day at least, because we are here. Each of us may be conflicted about, where do I go from here? If I'm a believer, sometimes perhaps I'm afraid, hey, I'm not really called, maybe I'm just in a rut. So it's important for us to go back and to re-examine what our calling is. And if we go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it encourages us to confirm our calling. It says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. That is, once we have been called, accepted the call to salvation, we need to continue to confirm our calling, continue to confirm that choice that we've made, that choice that God's made to accept us. He says, for if you do these things, ye shall never fail. Well, what are these things? He's referring back to verses 5 through 7, again, Second Peter chapter 1, where he lists the virtues that we're supposed to be developing as believers. Number one, faith. We need to keep walking in faith. So just as Abraham didn't know where he was going, he didn't know what he had this calling, somehow he made the faith to step forward. Why did Abraham choose to go south? I don't know. He didn't go north, he didn't go west, he didn't go east. Obviously there's some limits going west to the Mediterranean Sea but he had lots of choices, and he decided to go south. So a lot of times, it's more important, perhaps, when we don't have a specific calling to take that step in faith, to step out and see where God's going to lead us. The second virtue that we're asked to develop. In the King James, it says virtue. In the NIV, it calls it goodness. In the Amplified, it calls us moral excellence. We are to continue to seek after righteousness. We are continued, we are commanded to continue to, to seek after the holiness of God. Knowledge, we're asked to seek continue to add knowledge to our faith and virtue. We're continued to ask to understand the word, to seek to, to discern God's word for our lives. Temperance or self-control. A lot of times it's easy for us to, to become emotional to lose some of our temperance, to lose our self-control. God asks us to 
give that over to his spirit to come back to make sure that we live our lives in self-control. Patience, patience or perseverance and perseverance. I will say both are needed. And godliness, again, seeking holiness, seeking what God believes is right and just. And finally, brotherly kindness or mutual affection and charity. The love for the believers, the love for all mankind, the love for the sinners that we are called to go into all the world to present the gospel. The Amplified expands this saying, the unselfish love that seeks the best for others. So again, the details are often unknown. But when we have a calling, you have the calling to salvation. When we've experienced the first calling, the calling to salvation, the calling to walk with Jesus, we know that we have sub-callings, that we have more detailed callings beyond those. And that in order to work those out, we need to live our daily lives going back to adding these Christian virtues that the Apostle Peter expounded upon here in Second Peter chapter 1. And I don't know exactly in your life how... God has called you, or where he's called you beyond salvation, what he's called you to do, and we don't know. And as if we go farther into the, if we go farther into the life of Abraham here, we've left him, he's journeying on to the south. We see that he's going to make many more experiences, and we see that through each experience that God is going to take those experiences and he's going to reaffirm the original calling the original prom- and the original promise that Abraham had here. And we see that through these, Abraham, in order to, to go through these, these, in these experiences, that Abraham is going to be tested, right? We see that he's going to face difficulties. We see that he is going to have to persevere in order to fulfill his calling. And today it's the same for us. We have today, we have our directions for today. We don't know how God will lead tomorrow, just as the apostles, of course, we want to know, we want to know in advance, God, what are you going to do now? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? We ask God these same questions yet today. You know, God, are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? God, why aren't you acting faster? Why aren't you responding to my prayers? Why aren't you providing the miracle I seek? And I don't have the answer to any of those questions. No one does. But I do know if I look back on my life, the older I get, the more I see these little, little incidences and 
these things that happened in my life, and I see God taking these and bringing them together, and I see that I don't, I may still not understand what is my, what is my, beyond the call to serve God, beyond the call to, to be a light to others, to try to live out his gospel where I am today. Beyond that, perhaps, I still have difficulties in fathoming his, what his, his ultimate calling is for, for me in this day. But it, it's somewhat amazing to me, though, if I look back at my youngest years and some of the things that I experienced and the thoughts that I had then, the thoughts of how God, God convicted me, the things that God convicted me about. And yet today, I only now starting to see I'm only now starting to see how some of those convictions have set me on my path and led me to where I am today and have opened the doors for what God wants me to do today. And I pray that each of us will examine our lives, that if you've not yet given your life to Jesus, that you will hear that calling today and that you will come to him and make that decision. And if you've come to Jesus, I pray that you will not be discouraged by the, the challenges of the day, but that you will continue to remember that your calling is sure, that God has a calling for you, not only in this life, but in heaven beyond, and that God will work in those things to bring together his perfect will and purpose, and that your life will be able to, to glorify God in whatever circumstances you are living today. May God bless his word.